The following podcast is a discussion between two experts in their fields of beauty and not meant to be taken as medical advice. Be sure to consult with your doctor if you have any medical inquiries. Hi, this is Dr. Neil Shaw, and you're listening to Masters of Beauty. On this podcast, I was happy to have Jay Campbell, who's a leading author on the area of testosterone optimization. So we're going to dive in deep on ways that we can optimize our testosterone, and that involves ways we can avoid things that can actually harm our testosterone levels, um, including what foods to avoid, as well as what environmental factors to avoid, as well as ways to increase our testosterone. We're also going to find out if any of those products that are over the counter, whether they really work in boosting our testosterone. Pretty fascinating discussion with Jay here. Hope you like it. I am super honored to have Jay on here. Jay Campbell is a four-time international best-selling author, founder of the TOT Revolution, which for those of you who don't know what TOT is, it is a testosterone optimization therapy and the TOT Revolution and the Optimized Life podcast um, and a global evangelist of teaching men, women, and doctors. And I'm going to put my hand up in that because you're going to be teaching me a lot today. um, How to optimize hormones, their life, and their happiness. Um, and we're going to be coming from this from different perspectives, and um, so we'll talk about different ways of doing that. Uh, Jay's no nonsense. He's authentic. He's in your face. Um, hopefully, you don't get in my face or make me do like burpees no. or anything like that today. <laughs> I'm not ready. Old, that's actually an old bio. I'm going to have to update that. I'm more of a spiritual person now. Okay, I see that. Well, although I'm seeing like a tiger in the background, so I'm like a <laughs> panther. Spiritual warrior. Don't don't lose it. Spiritual warrior. Okay, and not afraid to give the transparent scoop on hormone optimization. Okay, so uh, so here we go. So Jay, uh, you've been involved with uh, testosterone and optimization for testosterone. How did you first get started? Um, well, so I was 29 years old. Uh, first off, uh, I appreciate being on your show today or your podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm always humbled, honored, and privileged whenever I get a chance to speak to people. So again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, when I was 29 years old, I was kicked in the testicles playing basketball. Uh, I was an ex uh, basketball player in college. I played, I had a cup of coffee playing professionally overseas and I was still six, seven years later, continuing to play in very competitive adult men's leagues. And I was kicked in, you know, just went down, ah, you know, whatever. And then about six to seven weeks later, I started really massively feeling run down. I went to my PPO doctor. It was just pure luck. And he, again, nothing's luck though, right? There was no coincidences in life, but he recommended me to go see an endocrinologist, um, which was very strange at the time. This is back in 1999 when no one knew anything about testosterone, right? Um, And so I did go to an endocrinologist, again, recommended through me through my PPO medical plan. That was back when medical benefits actually worked. (laughs) And um, I saw a guy who was a Harvard-educated guy by the name of Dr. Raymond Scruggs. He he said, you know what, this is weird. Let's run some some hormone tests. He ran my testosterone and my free testosterone, and it came back that I had the levels of you know an eighty year old uh, hypogonadal uh, man. I was like two thirty or two forty. I don't remember. I I have the lab work saved, and he said, "Look, I can put you on a dosage of therapeutic testosterone. Also, 
uh, with HCG and I can restart you and you'll be fine in you know, eight to 10 weeks. So I was like, well, let me talk to my wife. And I, I just literally have been married maybe six months. Uh, went home, my wife was like, you know, dude, you're a smart guy. You know, I, I trust you. If you think it's gonna be the right thing to do it, let's do it. So I did and you know, fast forward, give you a 100,000 foot version. Um, I, was, I felt absolutely amazing about you know, 10 weeks later. And he was like, okay, well, I'm gonna take you off now. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Oh, no, you're not. So then from there, um, I felt, you know, I became a real nerd. I was always a studious person. Uh, even in my twenties, I have a molecular biology, uh, minor. Um, so I was always a dork. I was always on PubMed and Medline reading studies and learning stuff before I ever even touched testosterone. I was always reading stuff about supplements and ergogens and all that stuff. And then, so once I started using testosterone, I was like, Oh my God, I got to find this out. Now back then, again, 2000, 2001, there was nothing right. Like, you had to read like steroid underground handbooks or stuff for people that were dying in like the wasting communities. Um, and you know, one of my mentors is actually Nelson Virgil who wrote the book built to survive. And, uh, Nelson, you know, was very instrumental in me writing my first book all the way back in 2015. Uh, but you know, fast forward, what happened is I just became a very, very studious person of testosterone. Um, and eventually some of the guys in my inner circle, I was in the uh, digital automotive marketing space where like, you know, they'd always see me and they'd be like, dude, how do you look so amazing? You know, they, I, cause I, you know, I was aging backwards and I told people, as you know, I'm very, very non, no filter. I said, look, I use therapeutic testosterone. So it was always one of two ways. If a person looked at me and was like, what the hell's the matter with you, bro? Are you on steroids? Or it was a guy, you know, intelligent, like, wow, well, can you tell me more about it? So eventually I got to the point where some of the guys that I you know, was in my circle with were influential people. And they were like, dude, you need to write a book about this because there's a lot of men that can benefit from this. Um, so I did to make a very long story short, I sent out, I created a white paper. I sent it out to Nelson, uh, Bill Llewellyn, who's now a business partner of mine. It's amazing how the world works. And uh, I can't remember the other person. And then I also called Rick Collins, who was the world's foremost attorney, still is, now also a close friend of mine in the performance arena about steroids, testosterone, all that stuff. And I said, look, as a non-practicing, you know, non-medical licensed person, if I write a book from a lay perspective, you know, do I have any risk? I asked him that because my wife and I have, and still do a residential real estate company. And so I didn't want any kind of blowback to come back at me to write a book about this as a non-doctor. And he told me very flat to my face. He was such a nice guy by then. He didn't know me from Adam. And he said, you know what? I read your white paper. It's really good, but I cannot indemnify you. You definitely have risk. There's always risk. You know, he just gave me the attorney perspective, which is all attorneys do. And I shelved it. I was like, you know what? Not putting this book out there. Cool idea, but I'm not playing that game. I don't even want any kind of risk to me. Um, and thankfully, two months later, Nelson Virgil, who was in Venezuela at the time, I originally sent him the white paper, emailed me in the middle of the night and was like, I don't know who you are but we need to talk. He's like, you know, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. So then him and I spoke and he was like, I told him what Rick said. And he's like, dude, don't worry about Rick. He's just being an attorney. I'm on panels with the DEA and the FDA. He's like, this book needs to be in the hands of men. And then, you know, from there, history, you know, has been amazing to me. I've been very blessed. I've obviously written four other books since then. I've met a lot of amazing people like yourself, doctors, researchers, and uh, here we are here today. So, uh, you know, again, it's been, it's been an amazing journey for me. And I think it's interesting, the world of biohacking, uh, that's kind of, you're kind of one of the forerunners of biohacking because sure. you almost have these two branches of kind of this healthy living. Uh, you have physicians who actually, believe it or not, I think are slow to the world of biohacking. 
um, and usually waiting a little longer, using more traditional therapies, and you have biohackers. And there's a whole bunch of biohackers, and I think that there's a couple people who are sort of foundational biohackers. And I'll put you up in that that, that area, and it's definitely for the area of hormonal kind of augmentation and supplementation and kind of working in that area. You're going to put yourself up there. Um, another interesting observation they talked about is who's dying first? Is it doctors or bodybuilders? And believe right. it or not, a lot of times it's the physicians. Right. Because what we were doing was we were eating um, low-fat, high-carb diets. <laughs> Um, which bodybuilders? You're just following the Kellogg family, man. Yeah, we, we follow the book. And, <laughs> and, and if you look at that, I think bodybuilders and you're, I mean, um, I don't think you've ever been like a truly a bodybuilder, but you've been no, like yeah, pretty I close. No, yeah, I compete in my men's physique. So, yeah, I, I take care of myself. I have more muscle, obviously. But uh, yeah, no, I was never a bodybuilder. But I mean, I know a lot of those guys. I've consulted with a lot exactly. of those guys. And you're, you're in that space. You're in that right. world. And you, right. like, you, you live and breathe in that world. And right. so- um, where most physicians don't live and breathe in that world. And if you're looking at that, if you ask a bodybuilder, like, hey, guess what? I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. You're going to, they're going to know, even from the 90s, they're going to know right. low carbs. You're going to work with fasting. You, you probably have to do some sort of tea through there. Right. Um, and so this has all been known for a long time. And it's just right. disseminating this information to even physicians so that we know. You know it, it's, it's a really good point that you make. By the way, you know your stuff. The, the truth is, is there are a lot of physicians in your defense, um, like you, who I've worked with, who I know, but they were kind of on the DL, right? Because the bottom line is, is like, you know, you guys are dependent on big pharma and the way that industry and that system works. And of course, as you know, too, there's no standard patient of care model for hormone optimization. Um, I, mean, I think we're treating, we're treating sickness. And I think, testosterone for a lot of patients, maybe it's sickness, but I think for a lot of times it's actually, it's wellness and it's optimization, which exactly. is a different thing. And I don't think there's really a model in medicine how to treat right. optimization and say, hey, guess what? I'm happy, but can I be happier? Can I be Absolutely. healthier? Right. I think it's coming. I think all the people that are in cash pay now, um, you know, are starting to even market their services in that way. Because as you know, too, peptides, that's a whole nother conversation, but peptides is the future of medicine. I mean, some of the the, the, the the novel stuff that's coming out is like radical. I mean, it's revolutionary, right? Like they're regrowing limbs with some of this stuff. You know, I have, again, because of my blessed ability to meet people and connect with people, I have now talked to on, on a daily basis some of the world's best peptide chemists, right? So I hear some of the stuff that's like nobody knows about right now. And it's just, huh. it's mind blowing what's coming. And you know, that's why I continue to say that we really are on the verge of manifesting a golden age. It's just, are we going to be able to like all get along, right? It's that whole <laughs> go along, get along thing where we can actually come together and build this because the technology is there. But the systems, as you have said very accurately, which is, again, is big pharma, AMA, the modern medicine, the establishment, the brick and mortar, you know, archaic systems, they need to, I wouldn't say they need to be imploded, but they need to lessen the restrictions so that all of us have the ability to cloud source all of our information, right? Because that's where it's at, right? Because all of us collectively have so much intel. And if we can put that into the cloud and then share it, oh, dude, it's, you know, it's unending what we can do. For sure. Um, so I'm going to dive into some of your, uh, your knowledge on just kind of overall, um, I'm, I'm going to start with like testosterone. We're going to dive sure. into the hypermale area. So for testosterone, so someone comes in, and they say, I want to eat some foods to kind of promote a testosterone, healthy testosterone. Before I go into supplementation, 
Um, are there any foods you would want to avoid? Any foods you'd say, hey, guess what? You need to get more of this in your diet. Because I know you're a big fan of whole foods and stuff like that. Yeah, great question. And I appreciate you asking that because I, I do really want people to know that I'm not immediately the clinical intervention route, right? I'm all about, as you said, living a fully optimized life. I mean, to give people who are watching this podcast who are not familiar with me, um, you know, a good understanding, um, there's one chapter out of 12, uh, there's technically 11 chapters and a bonus chapter on testosterone, right? So I'm not like Mr. TOT guy anymore, I'm, I'm, or if I've been pigeonholed that way, I'm, I'm getting out of that, but it's a great question. Every person, male or female, it's not just about dudes, as you know, women too, um, should look to the natural intervention or optimization means before starting down the clinical intervention path because obviously when you start testosterone, as you know, it's for life, right? You're going to be replacing your body's natural production. And that's not a bad thing, right? Because we know that the war on our from the environment you know, on our biological systems is everywhere. We can't avoid it. You and I are talking on the screens right now, and I'm wearing my blue light blocker glasses, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, seriously, we cannot avoid the modernization of, of today. And there's so many chemicals, so many particulates, there's all these things. But from a dietary standpoint, um, you know, I think first you obviously have to have your body composition. You need to know if you are fat, okay? And when I say fat, that really means you're, you know, you're metabolically disabled, you have some form of insulin resistance, and you're usually inflamed. And the majority of people today who start any sort of optimization regimen, whether it's natural or through clinical intervention, if you're highly inflamed, anything that you do, you're going to have side effects. What, and, go ahead. Uh, so for fat, so uh, what's, what's your way of measuring fat? And, and what's, the, what's the number you like to see um, because we get fatter as we get older and yeah. are you a, are you a caliper guy? Are you a Dexas? Like, what, what's your, what's your Dude, you got awesome questions. So I do not, I'm not, you know, normally I would be a Dexa guy, but as you know, we have to account for obesity in the general population, right? So the Dexa algorithms now account for fat people, unfortunately. So it's really difficult with water weight and muscle mass to get an accurate means through DEXA or in-body, right? Because you can you yeah. do either one of those. Um, so I personally would say that like uh, option A, the elite standard would be a bod pod, right? A dunk test, the water osmo osmotic pressure, or you said it, and very few people say this, but if you get a professional who knows how to take an 11 site caliber method or measurement, and I do, I, I was trained a long time ago on how to do that. Um, you'll get a really good, accurate reading, especially with visceral fat, right? Because some people are muscular, but they hold the fat underneath their muscles. So that skin caliper test is going to do a really good job of evaluating like where they're fat and where they're not fat. That's a but, great idea. But yeah. the answer to you too, because it's a great question, is I think if you're under if you're under 15% as a man. I don't think you're going to be that inflamed. When you get into the 15 to 20 to 20 plus percent, anything you do, you have to account for inflammation. And I, you know, I, I want to say this, um, and this is, by the way, a very cut, cutting edge. You're asking the great questions. Um, any man who starts testosterone, regardless of the delivery system, if you're fat, inflamed, and you are not changing your lifestyle, right? You're drinking too much alcohol. You're eating pizza. You're drinking whatever that's laced with sugar. You, you inject testosterone or rub testosterone in your skin, your body is going to have an inflammatory response to that agent. And you are going to have side effects that you are going to assume are due to high estrogen. It's not high estrogen. 
Estrogen is a very pleiotropic hormone, right? We take testosterone, we want more estrogen. There are so many people confused about this subject. You know, and again, I don't want to be all over the place on tangents, but this is another reason why, unless there are very, very specific clinical means necessary in advance of starting testosterone, you should never block estrogen. You cause so many downstream second and third order effects, negative. You're talking about like aromatase inhibitors, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, so many doctors out there in North America today just have these cookie cutter, templatized versions of testosterone optimization, which is, you know, testosterone, HCG, or clomiphene, and then an AI. And if you do that stuff, you're putting all these chemicals into your body, and you have no way to isolate what is doing what in the endocrine system. So you have, you know, it's my opinion, obviously, and, you know, I always point to people who are not, not as informed about this, but, you know, go to testosteroneaddiction.com and look at that site and look at all these poor people whose stories and testimonials of what's happened to them working with physicians who have no idea what they're doing. And obviously, I never disparage physicians. I love physicians. I wouldn't be where I'm at without great doctors. But um, if you do not work with a doctor who has an experiential body of work, you are seriously playing Russian roulette. For sure. It's so hard with tea. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But then combine that with fat people, right? Who don't take care of themselves <laughs> and think testosterone is a goddamn panacea. I'm sorry if I swore. That's not, okay. I'm not swearing. Face <laughs> that. So, so, so that, that tells you that foundation, you have to build yeah. everything upon a foundation. Absolutely. And that kind of leads more to, to, towards your book of saying, hey, guess what? Fully optimized life. It's not a one one shot solution. It's Chapter three is literally good question and a good comment. Chapter three is the importance of being lean as you age. That's the name of the number of the chapter. If you can get lean, and again, to me, lean is not Jay Campbell's shredded body fat level, but you know, 15% as a man below, you know, right around there. And of course, some guys in, in cold weather environments, Chicago, New York, wherever, you're going to be a little bit fatter in the winter because it's just the way it is. Man. You're not, you're not going to be. Hey, don't judge now. No. <laughs> I mean, pizza and, and being in cold and eating and family and all that. I get all that stuff, you know, but the reality is, is 15% is a good means for women. It's probably about 18 to 22%. And as you know, you know, women have more fat from a childbearing purposes. So they have internal fat that you can't register. I always hear these people say, oh yeah, she was 7% body fat. I'm like, if she was 7% no body fat, she would be literally laying on a board table. Yeah, no way yeah. for a woman 7%, yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. So, so getting there, we're talking about trying to get to that lower body fat percentage and foods. So kind of some of the foods to, to kind of optimize that because it's, there's a lot of controversy in diet. Um, yeah. So anything you say that would kind of really optimize life and or uh, tea? Yeah, no, no, great question. Um, and you already asked it originally and I appreciate it. Um, it just takes some time for me to get there. It's all good. Um, it's all, we're making the circle. I, we, I was going to end it too. Keep me honest. So it's, it's the best question you can ask because the fourth chapter, right after that chapter, uh, is about metabolic flexibility. And I wish I could say I was smart enough to make up that term, but it was actually the great Charles Poliquin, who died last year, uh, who was a great, you know, very legendary strength trainer. And just his, uh, his, his handle was Strength Sensei. He was just a brilliant guy. And he was actually attacked at the end of his life by the social justice outrage mobs, unfortunately, because he was such a guy that would just tell people to his face. He had no filter. He's kind of like me. But he used to say that, there's no such thing as a perfect diet, okay? You, and you know this, right, Doc? Like online today, you have all these people saying, oh, the carnivore, the keto, 
the low carb, the if it fits your macros, the fasting, intermittent fasting, all that stuff. I'm all about fasting, right? I understand autophagy. I understand senescence. I, I love it, right? I'm, I wrote a book, The Blowtorch Diet. It's all about fasting or optimizing fasting. But the truth is, is the human body needs to remain metabolically flexible at all times. What does that mean? It means that you should be able to consume whatever, whenever, when your body has a unique energetic demand for that form of carbohydrate, fat, or protein. For example, to make it simple, a bodybuilder who does not eat carbohydrates doesn't understand why he should eat carbohydrates, okay? Now, sure, there are all these guys out there now that say, oh, bro, I'm a bodybuilder and I'm ripped and I'm on all this stuff and I do keto. <laughs> but the truth is, is that if you're a bodybuilder, you want carbohydrates to replenish glycogen when you push it, you know, deplete it from training, intensely trained, um, and you want also the carbohydrates to build muscle, which again is the same thing for, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, lifting as far as uh, hitting your anaerobic and your uh, lactic acid threshold. So you want to be able to train intensely and carbohydrates will provide the fuel necessary to do that to obviously to build muscle and also to replenish muscle when you break it down from training. In the exact same vein, a endurance athlete, an ultra triathlon or triathlete may in fact use a ketogenic diet or a cyclical ketogenic diet because their body in long-term distance or uh, you know endurance activity can better run on ketones, which is again, free fatty acids for fuel. So you always wanna, again, remain metabolically flexible depending on what you're doing in your life. So the, the original question you asked about foods to eat that will maximize natural testosterone production. So it's really hard for me to give any kind of foods. Um, it's all, again, it's still gonna come down to the person's body fat. If go. a person is fat, inflamed, insulin resistant, and eating whatever, you know, or drinking alcohol or sugar or whatever, it doesn't matter what natural foods he's going to eat. He's not going to have any kind of like improved um, testosterone function. I mean, you know, you could talk about specific forms of essential fatty acids, increase erythonic acid formation, which is going to lead to higher free testosterone values. Um, you know, and I could give you a bunch of stuff. There's certain nuts. There's like sardines, mackerel. There's a lot of things that you can eat that will elevate free test, but it comes down to your body, right? Like what kind of physical condition are you in? Anecdotally, do you notice that that being effective? So people saying, Hey, guess what? I'm going to eat, um, okay. Sardines. I'm going to have tons of nuts in my diet. Um, it's interesting that nuts and testosterone, but I won't yeah. go there. <laughs> and then, um, so I'm going to eat as much as I can to kind of maximize my tea and my body fat's low. And do you notice that people saying that's enough for some of them to reach their goals? Does that seem to be like kind of, a, it's going to be a kind of a step below for some people or it's going to be different person to person? It, everyone's biochemically unique, right? So it's kind of hard to give you like a cookie cutter to say like, if this guy eats a bunch of zinc and gets a bunch of magnesium and, uh, and sleeps, you know, eight hours a night and then also t eats a ton of uh, saturated fat or essential fatty acids and, you know, gets all the quote unquote natural supplements that are supposed to enhance testosterone formation, free testosterone increasing. Um, it still just comes down to that individual person. I would say this, um, and this is obviously more of a recent phenomenon, but uh, it's really, really hard now. Um, and I use this in the book. Um, you know, Dr. Robert Komenarik is one of my docs. He's in Dayton, Ohio. He's been prescribing hormones for 23 years. A brilliant guy. Uh, he's written a couple of books himself, but he says right now, his best statistic is this. He's like, a person over the age of 50, 
attempting to remain optimized through natural means is less than 10%. Okay. I would agree with that. Super, yeah, super type A person. Um, but you know, so anal retentive, like they measure everything, they know everything, they don't ever poison their body. Someone under the age of 40 is about 15%, right? So he's basically saying that the chemical war that is now being waged on us from just living in modern days is very difficult to remain naturally optimized. And then the other component, which I didn't mention, is genetics. You have to be gifted genetically to remain naturally optimized in this day and age, again, due to the war on the environment. And as you know, these things, Doc, are killing people's sleep. I, if, if you put a gun to my head, it would be my guess that the average person under the age of 40 today in North America, guy or girl, is hormonally inefficient, and it's due to lack of polyphasic sleep. These things are destroying sleep cycles. Believe it. I believe it. And that's a whole, uh, whole other can. Um, some of the xenoestrogens, so you're talking about sure. the war on the environment. Are there any other things aside from kind of um, um, any hidden sources? So someone says, I'm coming in. Where am I getting all these um, xenoestrogens, those fake estrogens? Um, anything you say, okay, you have to eliminate these things. Just eliminate these from your life as much as you can, and you're going to be, um, again, easier to hormonally optimize. Yeah, that's a great question. So I just did a podcast, not a podcast, but a premium webinar with Dr. Anthony J, the guy that wrote the book, Estrogeneration, and we talk about this all the time. Um, probably the number one place that people are getting crushed is in their shower. Huh. So if you do not have a high-end charcoal filter, and you don't have to go buy one of those you know, $5,000 apparatuses, but you do need to have a really good uh, you know, shower uh, hat, mask or head, and then you can get you know, these charcoal filters. But I would assume that besides the water, you know, again, in a big coastal population center coming through that, you also have all of the hygiene shampoos and oh yeah and you know guys love to use shit that smells good like makes me smell masculine (laughs) old spice that shit (laughs) is so bad there's so much garbage in the johnson and johnson products i mean again it sounds crazy and it's cliche you hear it now so much but it really is difficult to avoid all this stuff and so that's why i end up saying that you know the biggest hammer in the tool belt is testosterone metformin thyroid and fasting, right? I mean, those four things, if you do those four things, and of course, knowing that you modulate everything else, right, your lifestyle, you can pretty much stay optimized and still be bombarded. So, okay, cool. The shower is a new one. I have not heard of that. So that's a good one. Um, Okay, so kind of working with those. Um, And so uh, do you think there's a difference? We're kind of just kind of focusing on the fat a little bit. Visceral fat versus kind of, you know, more of that superficial fat. Do you think yeah. there's a difference in kind of optimizing someone who's has more visceral fat versus superficial fat? Or do you think it's kind of, they're all kind of playing in the same field? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, again, it comes down to the person's genetics and how they're prone to store body fat. Um, obviously visceral is the most inflammatory form of fat, but you know, if you're going to measure both of them, if a person's fat, um, I mean, it's a good question. If a person was an athlete, right. And they have a lot of previously established muscle and then they just let themselves go. Those type of people most likely are not going to be as at risk if they proceed to get back into shape and dial themselves in as someone who never built it and then has, you know, visceral fat that's just been there a long time. Because then that fat, as you know, is what's going to lead to disease states. So over time, I would say that the athlete who's let themselves go is not as much risk as someone who's never built any muscle and has that really nasty, 
inflamed, you know, visceral fat that's been literally, you know, pockets that have been sitting there, the yellow fat that's been there for 20 plus years. But I mean, it, you know, fat is fat to me. Okay. And so, you know, so someone's working with all these sorts of things and they say, okay, how do I know? And um, I, I know this is a basic question for you, but our audience would probably be super helpful. Sure. How do I know I have testosterone deficiency? Are there any signs I should know that um, I have T deficiency? Yeah, so it's a great question, to be honest with you. The, best, the number one side effect or symptom of a deficiency is brain fog. And that would obviously, as you know, present at midday, sometimes like right around now. You know, well, not for you guys because it's later, but for me, like, you know, between 1.30 and 3 o'clock, you've eaten lunch. It's not like a car bomb where you're having insulin, but you just literally feel like you want to go home and take a nap. You're just like, dude, I can't make it for this day. And so it's what most people do, right? They crush an Adderall, they take caffeine, they go get a gigantic, uh, you know, coffee or something. Um, but that's the number one symptom where you literally just have no energy and you just, it's like, again, it's crushing. Excuse me, I sneeze. Oh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, so brain fog is usually the number one symptom. And that's why most guys never get treated because they go to a physician who instantly wants to, uh, you know, write them an SSRI. Because a lot of guys also will say, I'm depressed, doc, you know, or I, I just don't feel like I used to be, right? So they get an SSRI, and then sometimes they'll be like, yeah, and I'm also having erectile dysfunction, or I can't get it up when I want. So then, boom, you get the Viagra Levitrocialis prescribed too. And they never look at the testosterone levels. But uh, normally it is brain fog. Um, the next one would definitely just be a lack of morning erection which as you know, you know, could just be really, really low free testosterone. I mean, again, if you're obese, the like, you know, it's the whole chicken and egg controversy, yeah. right? Is testosterone, is the, is the testosterone deficiency caused by the insulin resistance or is the insulin resistance, you know, causing the testosterone deficiency? I mean, you don't really know, but to me, it's a circle, right? That's why also when someone looks at their testosterone, you also have to evaluate their thyroid. Because I've seen a lot of guys who, when they got their thyroid kicking again, and again, when you're insulin resistant, you have, your thyroid's going to be malfunctioning, right? But you, when you get that kicking again, that sometimes will improve testosterone. So everything to me is synergistic and a circle. And if one part of the tracks is off or broken, you're going to probably find systemically that everything else is getting broken too in the cycle. Okay, so then um, in other signs, would you notice that some of these men might notice, um, uh, so it's not always as obvious. So they might not have like gynecomastia, they might not have, it might be subtle changes in muscle mass, it might be subtle changes in that. So those are good points. So they decide to get measured. Is there, uh, again, it varies from lab to lab, I know that. Is, is there a lab, you, is a lab you trust, or as long as you know what the parameters for each lab? And is there a level you like to see things at? Or is that going to vary again from lab to lab and person to person? No, it's a great question. So yesterday, Dr. Abraham Morgentower, who's also a friend of mine through the internet, we've never actually <laughs> met in person. He posted on Twitter a really awesome thing. He does this now with clinicians. And, you know, he posts like, you know, here's the situation. What do you do? And so sometimes he's like, you're, he's totally cool with me writing in because a lot of these guys have no clue. And I usually will just write in something very, um, you know, sardonic or acerbic or whatever. But like yesterday, it was the, the guy has uh, high free T, but all the symptoms. What do you do? It was a great question. But so to your question, it really is always a symptomatic evaluation, much more than it is a lab measurement numbers. Now, that said, I realize that you guys are playing a game and 
if it's for insurance subrogation and it's somebody who's aging, you know, 45, 50 plus, and they're, they want to build their insurance and I get it right. They don't want to pay out of pocket. You're playing a real, you're walking a tightrope because this is yeah. what Dr. Neil, well, this is what Dr. Neil Rougier says. And obviously he's also a close personal friend. I've done a number of podcasts with him. And he's to me, the world's foremost training doctor and expert legal witness on helping doctors who get drawn up on state medical license boards. And the reality is this, um, if you are prescribing testosterone to a man or a woman, you know, any hormones, to either one, and you're doing it through insurance subrogation, you're basically a red bullseye. Yeah. Which, by the way, Doc, is a farce. I mean, I, I'm not a doc, so I can say this, but the fact that you guys are so hamstrung, when you know that you can help men and women so much, and yet insurance says, oh, no, you can't. And then you guys face issues. Um, well, I, I'm kind of in the belief with insurance that most insurance at this point right now is like disaster insurance. Like if you get <laughs> if you get really sick, like you need insurance. But if you want to be healthy, it's almost it's better so to be true, out of pocket. Dude. And so and, and so changing things around. So and, and the yeah. deductible, like my deductible, I'm not sure what your deductible is. Um, my deductible is like $5,000. Yeah, it's so, like 5,500, right. Yeah, so, so if I'm doing anything, I usually do it out of pocket anyway. So if it's anything elective, it's so. But that's what I'm saying. But like, you know, and obviously we see, we speak from the same hymnal, but if you're a 60 year old man, right. And you've paid all this money. You've been a company man, wage slave your whole life. And you've paid all this money and you're now like dying and you just want to be like, be able to get insurance, you know, t your testosterone, your insurance. And you can't because of the games that you're playing and the, you know, that the insurance is playing with you. I mean, bro, the whole thing is a sham. Yeah. I would say, uh, yeah, it's a whole, <laughs> yeah, whole other thing. Yeah. I, I, so I'm anti, like, I think the whole aspect of it is, and I think the insurance is really, it's, it's, it's really for disaster. In my opinion, it's for right. Disaster. No, no, you're right. It's literally extortion to, it's like, it really only ever applies as if you're in that life threatening accident. Correct. Right. And you have to be lifelike. <laughs> Or something uh, tragic going because the, the yeah. bill is so high for that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so, so you get it measured, and um, you see someone that's like an expert in that, and you say, "Before I start testosterone therapy, yeah, are there any, are there any like over like you go to GNC and there's tons of stuff out there, dude. Every I, single one. Before you even go any further, I constantly post on my social media where I'm most influential is on Twitter. Those are all a, a joke. I mean, there is not a single natural supplement in the world and I've tested them and I know very high level researchers have tested them. Um, you know, like the one, I'll just use it. I don't care. I'm going to slam them. Nugenics, right? That's the number one yeah, selling testosterone. Yeah, I definitely hear that one a lot. Yeah. Dude, it is a complete and total scam. There is absolutely zero value. Now you both, we both know the, there's a 40, the placebo does work, right? Mm. Quantum physics tells us that we create our own reality bubble. So if a person is that insistent that that is helping him, then I'm sure he gets some benefit. But there is zero efficacy on any of those over-the-counter testosterone-boosting pills, tablets, capsules, in actually in, uh, intervening from a standpoint that you notice anything other than a transient spike. And again, in my, my you know, last book on testosterone, the Bible, and by the way, anybody who watches this, we send the book, my team will send you the book for free. It's just a PDF, we're not gonna mail it to you. You can still buy it on Amazon. In 2018, for four months, it was the number one men's health book. So it's a really awesome book. It's 600 pages, 780 science, scientific citations. But we tested everything. Awesome, thank you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So all they have to do is just send an uh, email to contact at totrevolution.com and they'll get a copy of the book. Cool. We'll put that in the, the show notes. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So, okay. So we've, we've kind of walked into GNC. We walked out of GNC. And now we have, <laughs> so, so now we have to get, we're thinking about therapy. Um, right. And so that point with therapy is there's so many ways to deliver it. Um, you know, we, we know Barry Bonds had supposedly did or not, you know, we have the, the, the clear and the, the tan. So we have uh, lotions, we have orals, we have injectables, yeah. and we have pellets. Yeah. Um, and uh, pellets, um, for some reason, have become a lot of my patients. I, I, I don't do tea in my office. I just sure. talk about it. And I, I could yeah. direct them to someone who, who sure. specializes in this. Um, pellets have become really, really like uh, popular recently yeah. over the last two years. Yeah. So, so, uh, so let me let me just talk about. You're asking like, what are the best delivery systems? Yeah, to yeah. Talk about them, right? Okay. So. So I've changed my stance in the last two months on pellets and not because I've decided that I was wrong, but just because I've heard frack from members of our special forces who are in harm's way and they are not, when traveling, cannot take testosterone preparations in any capacity, they're at risk. So for people like that, and again, I recognize that now and I, I always uh, salute everyone who served this country. I, you know, I have a huge heart for those guys. I take care of them. I give them everything that I have ever done is free to them. All they have to do is ask. But I will only say that pellets are okay in positions like that where you have no other form of delivery system. But here's the other issue, or not the other issue, but the always ongoing issue with pellets. Um, the human body is not designed to handle a surgically incised pellet okay what ends up happening is a couple of things but most importantly and this is again going back to unique biochemical individuality we as a species will cleave the testosterone ester as a pellet at different rates and speeds molecularly so some people are going to be fast cleavers and other people fatter more inflamed high aromatizers, there's a million other things that you can insert in there are not. So the problem with pellets is you're never going to get any kind of uniform delivery. Okay. Now, when you say that people are, um, you know, becoming all into pellets, yes, that's true for a couple of reasons. The pellet company, you know, and I'm very, and, and BioT doesn't like that I go out and say what I say, but I, I, I've spoken with people, <laughs> I, can't, I can't name who they are that were going to buy the company. And, you know, they're almost a billion dollar company. That's what their valuation wow. is right now. Yeah. So they spend a lot of money on training physicians. They also do a great job of marketing. They're a really good company, obviously. Um, I've spoken, you know, to the guy that runs it or, you know, he speaks at the, the doctor's conferences, which I always go to, which I'll be at AMMG in, you know, November, first weekend of November in Tucson. It's always a great show. I love all those people. I, I never speak badly about any of the conferences. These guys do a great job. Um, but again... Dude, okay, I gotta give you this. So I have a desktop folder with pictures from people who send me from their extrusions and from That's their infections problem. and the sepsis. I've got pictures of sepsis from horrifyingly bad surgical, you know, pellet implants. So I always say there's better ways of skinning the cat. You know, if you have a pellet inserted and it's done okay are you going to get optimization maybe okay and again i say maybe because again the way it's delivered it's never going to be uniform the other thing and this is something that most people don't know about pellets which is very important and critical is is that over time and by the way 
there's never been an actual legitimate evidence-based study done using pellets because the researchers, many of the androgen researchers are my friends, they know that you're not going to be able to replicate anything more than one time. So they don't do studies with pellets. But here's the thing, and this is a new field. People are becoming immune <laughs> to the insertions. So hmm. if you're a guy who's been on a pellet or a woman, a lot of women get pellets and they've been That's on it for sure. two or three years, bro. The body is going to start ejecting it and you're not going to have the same effect because of testosterone resistance syndrome, which we're not talking about today in this podcast. That will be something that will be coming into the world soon. Um, but essentially what that is, is a lot of the cross-linking from the androgen receptors and the estrogen receptors who are being blasted by the endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, so it's making testosterone actually at the cellular level uh, less effective. So you're having that. So again, I don't recommend pellets. I do recommend one of two things, okay? And that's obviously injections, which are the old, you know, 50 years in the making, you know, people have been doing it in obviously bodybuilding performance circles, and of course now in therapeutic circles. And then recently for me, and now I've been doing this for about 17 months, um, scrotal cream. Now there is a study, and you can find this on PubMed, I'll be happy to send it to you, that the scrotum is eight times better absorption due to the permeability of the scrotal skin right there at the base of the, of the scrotum where, you know, where the sac and the testicles uh, hit right in the morning. So the type of cream, and a lot of guys screw this up, you cannot be using androgel hmm. or any of these like low grade, generic, low quality, low dosage, 10 milligram, five milligram um, gels. You got to use a 200 milligram per gram compounded cream right there on the scrotum and some guys twice a day is best guy like me i use it once a day i use it in the morning after i shower um to me i've been using it now for 17 months and remember i was a 19 18 and a half year injector um and i always said that injections was tried and true the best delivery system i personally now think that the cream is better for sexual purposes because of the dht spike from the cream right there. Now, obviously, some guys, if you're if you're uh, susceptible, you have the predisposition to baldness or male pattern baldness. It will sh speed the rate of shed at the follicular level. But uh, you know, I don't give a shit about my hair. I mean, I actually, <laughs> am not, I'm, I'm not completely bald. I mean, I do. If I grow out, I'll have some hair. But uh, I just keep it low. It's just easier for me from a maintenance standpoint. But uh, all things being equal, injections, cream. Uh, again, on the scrotum. I do not think the cream outside of being on the scrotum is even close to being to, to being as efficacious as injections, but on the scrotum, it's very close. Um, everything else is the same though, right? Like uh, physical physiology, building muscle, being energetic, being strong, having awesome improved cognition, same. But you do get a little bit of heightened sexual increase or sexual function increase. And again, it's because of the increase in DHT from the testosterone right there. It's not like porn star, wow, you know, like you're on PT 141. No, but you will feel a little bit better sexually with the cream than you will the injections. And I, and I always say this for men who have been in long-term monogamous relationships, the cream is noticeable when you first start using it because you're like, you know, what the hell's going on with me? I got test goggles, right? Uh, <laughs> I want to have sex more. <laughs> 
So um, DHT, that's going to be a big thing for our audience. A lot of our, our patients are like concerned about hair. Sure. And uh, I've had hair transplant. My wife actually did it for me. It wasn't, oh, a, wow. choice. It, awesome. it wasn't a choice for me. We do hair. But, um, I can't even tell. That's amazing. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so uh, obviously you're anti-propecia for uh, its effects on... You know, that's a good question. I'm not really. I'm more, you know, like dutasteride, finasteride, all these things. Again, it's genetics. Some guys do horrible. You know, you've obviously heard of, you know, PFS and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then other people are perfectly okay. I know men who have used a microdose of dutasteride slash vinasteride. You know, I know they're separate, but, you know, for 20 plus years with zero side effects. No sexual dysfunction, nothing. So again, we're all biochemically unique. And I'm not going to come out here and say, dude, PFS is the worst thing ever, right? Because there are people out there that will, you know, go after you and say, Jesus Christ, it's killed my life. Yeah. So, I mean, I do understand that, you know, there's a, there's always a time and a place for medications, even AIs. I'm very anti-AI. I do not think anyone should ever block their estrogen, but there is again, people out there that over aromatize genetically and a micro dose, even though it's still not good, might be okay initially to change that body molecularly from a standpoint of like, to let them know that you're going to be making more testosterone and more estrogen. Yeah. Okay, so that that's interesting. So that, I think that that's doable. I think the cream for a lot of guys is much more doable than injections, because yeah. uh, some people just are needle phobic. Yeah, they're needle phobic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and by the way, it's a good point. Um, a lot of guys don't like to do the injections because of the travel, right? If you're a businessman and you're traveling yeah. all the time, but you know, get your doctor to get you preloaded syringes. Put them in the bottom of your hygiene bag. Take one or two a week. You know, obviously, I want you to do twice a week to three times a week injections if that's how you're going to do um, buy it. But it's simple. I've been traveling across the globe for 14 years with shots. I've never once ever had a problem. But you're right. I mean, a lot of men are needle phobic. There's no doubt about it. So I think there's a lot, lot of good stuff here. And I think that, um, you know, for me, it's, it's a lot of the stuff I do is very visual. I think sure. and it, sometimes the visual kind of correspond to how they feel. And yeah. I think that um, a, a lot of the stuff you do is also visual and it's kind of building in that. And again, it's, it's going to have a direct correlation in that. And I think for, um, there's a reason why a lot of my male patients, um, if they have muscles, they feel pretty darn good about themselves. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I always say that, by the way. I always say, I always say, if you are depressed or despondent or wherever you're in your life, go to the gym three to four days a week, figure out what you like to do and just do that for six months and your whole life will change. There's no doubt about it. And I think um, sometimes it's about keeping it simple and it's like, hey, guess what? Work on that. And then- yeah. um, Exactly. Uh, and then for some of us, it's like, okay, I want to work on these other other features. So I think this is super enlightening information. I mean, this is amazing stuff. Um, your book, um, I read actually your first one, The Testosterone Bible, which I read cover to cover. is an awesome book that helped you, me. Man. And um, I think this, uh, the new book, Living a Fully Optimized Life, I think that this book, um, uh, I think we're going to hopefully uh, get a lot of people uh, reading this, doing that, because uh, for me, it's about living a fulfilled life and however we want to live that fulfilled life. We all have different answers. And I think that people who've lived it, who've been in um, that part, and um, there's so much knowledge that we can get from you and, and from this. And I think that, um, uh, you know, in living in that world, that I know it's, it's good not to just kind of say, hey, guess what? I'm the testosterone guy. Yeah. Um, I've got to be on that. And I think there's more about fasting, all that stuff. And you talk so much there. And we could talk for literally for five hours about how to make 
um, optimize our, our life. But I think that I've got so much uh, info here, including changing my shower like tonight, literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, I truly appreciate you having me on. Um, I will definitely send you a copy of the book. I actually have the first paperback copy. I didn't use Amazon for this book because I just didn't want to anymore. I'm, I have my 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 uh, my feelings about Dr. Uh, Jeff Bezos, but uh, I do have the first paperback coming. So as soon as I get it and I can sign off on it, I'll send you a copy. I'll just email. I mean, I'll uh, I'll mail it to you. We can just exchange your uh, mailing address and I'll send it to you. But uh, I, I'll also send you the PDF. But like I said, I'm happy to give away the books, the fasting book, uh, and also the TOT Bible. I just give them away for free. Also, they have to do is just con send me an email. Send my team an email. It's contact at totrevolution.com. We'll Amazing. Are you ever in Chicago? Um, you know what? Every now and then, my wife was actually just there six weeks, seven weeks ago. Her son graduated from Navy boot camp and now he's in Annapolis. So she was back there. Uh, it's been a couple of years, but I used to go to the Windy City all the time. Okay, cool, cool. Well, uh, hopefully when you're in Chicago, we can do something, maybe work out together. and uh, <laughs> That would be awesome. Yeah, dude. I would love, if anything, we could break bread, have a dinner or something. That's fun too. <laughs> awesome. All right, Jay, you are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, hopefully I see you soon. Yeah, for sure, Doc. I appreciate you. All right, cool. Thank you. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Masters of Beauty. If you like this episode and don't want to miss out on the next, be sure to subscribe right here where you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you really want to help the show out, leave us a five-star review and a comment or possible topics that you would love to hear Dr. Shaw discuss. We love hearing from you. To find out the latest updates from Dr. Shaw and Shaw Aesthetics, you can follow us on Instagram at Shaw Aesthetics and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Anil R. Shaw. You can find these links and any other links mentioned by Dr. Shaw and his guests during this episode in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Masters of Beauty.